I'm gonna talk about why you should not buy a property in your own name and definitely not buy a property in two people's names. My name is Adam Panisi. I do these videos to help you buy property under market value, make money on every single property transaction. I've done a couple hundred million dollars of my own property development deals. And the reason why I say do not buy a property in your, into your own name is unless it's your principal place of residence, so it's your own home to live in and then you're planning on selling that tax-free, then there's no point in doing that because you don't get the same tax benefits, you don't get the same asset benefits in terms of asset protection as what you would if you did the alternate. And the alternate is a company or a trust structure or a combination of both. And if you wanna to talk to your advisors about how best to set that up, that is what my opinion is, is to do that. So when you are buying a property in your own name, like most people do, they buy the property in their own name, they might live in it for a period of time and then it becomes an investment property. Once it's an investment property, then it's not very tax effective to have it in your own name, especially when you go to sell it. Because if it is in your own name and you're selling it as an investment property later on down the track, then you're obviously taxed at full personal income tax. And if you're doing property properly, you should be able to not pay any tax on the income that you're producing or when you sell that property. So that's the main reason for it. The other consideration is around serviceability. If you've got one person on title, that one person is using up their serviceability to the lender or to the bank, and then you go out and buy another property. And most people, what do they do? They buy properties in their own name, or at least they do that for the first couple and then they, when they get to that uh, third or fourth and they go, oh, hang on, maybe I should go and get advice about how I'm buying these properties. Some people do it the right way from the get-go um, and then some people have a lot of properties in their own name. That's fine having it in your own name if you're buying with cash in terms of serviceability. It doesn't offer any asset protection and it definitely doesn't offer any land tax reduction once you start accumulating multiple properties, then you start to etch into that land tax. And if you are already paying land tax, you would know it's extremely expensive. Uh, it changes between state to state, different states are higher than others, but doesn't matter what state you're in, land tax is extremely expensive. And if you can reduce that as much as possible, you definitely want to do that when you're building a portfolio. So back to the serviceability, if you're on title for one property, and you've used up some of your serviceability, you definitely don't wanna be on title as a personal uh, person, as an, as an individual, for the next property purchase, because what that does in terms of the bank's eyes is they combine both of those loans and they see that you're personally guaranteeing them and you're using your own individual serviceability. And for most people, your serviceability comes from your job, so you're capped at, at a point with your PAYG in terms of in terms of that with assessment of how they view your loan. So when you've got multiple properties and they're under your name, they're going to accumulate them. And after APRA stepped in, uh, post GFC, that cap, or there is a cap on how much they'll give you per property. So each property you purchase, it reduces your serviceability, even if that property is returning money back into your pocket. So that means that you only wanna buy one property in your own name, if any at all, and that one property is your own home, providing that 
your own home is actually going to be a suitable investment decision. In other words, are you going to be making money on your own home? Because keep in mind you're paying the deposit and you're paying expenses on your own home out of after-tax money. So just keep that in mind. And then once most people, what most people do is actually put two people on title. And so two individuals buy the property together, whether they're tenants in common or they're joint, whatever it is, they then use serviceability for both people. It's quite possibly the worst thing, or it is the worst thing you could do when you're purchasing a property. And the reason is, is that your serviceability now, if you say have a $500,000 loan with person A, then, and person B jumps on, person A is liable for the $500,000 in terms of their liability and also their serviceability in, with regards to the lender. And then person B, the other person that's on the loan as well, they're also liable for that $500,000. So it's not gonna mean that the bank is gonna chase both people for a million dollars, but what it does mean is, if person A isn't able to come up with the $500,000, then they chase person B, which means that both people are liable for the full amount of the loan, which means when you take it back to serviceability, when the bank does the assessment on your next loan, so if you are building up a property portfolio, which is the gag plan, when they look at your next loan, then they look at person A owing 500,000 and person B owing 500,000. So combined, you're actually owing a million dollars in terms of how the bank looks at it and the bank's eyes. So it means that you've just shot yourself in the foot and you've reduced, combined your serviceability by 500,000. If you had to put it into one person's name or into an entity structure, so a company and trust, as I mentioned, then the bank will not assess that in the next loan, they'll actually assess it from a fresh start. So not only have you already eliminated the, the extra 500,000 if you have two people on title, so that million dollars of total liability in the bank size, then you also, if you set it up, if you put it into a company, then you can actually reduce it so that the bank doesn't even look at that property at all. So you basically start fresh again in terms of your serviceability. There's not many people that know this, and post-GFC or pre-GFC, this wasn't an issue because banks would assess positively geared properties as putting money back into your pocket and adding to your income. There is a way to do this now, but it's a little bit more complicated, and it does involve separate entities or separate structures, and it does involve putting all that positively geared cash flow into one company. So I won't go into the full details around that. I do cover this in my course, that I teach, which is an advanced course. It does cost money, it isn't for free. This is all my intellectual property in the program. And what I can tell you as part of this video is that when you do buy positively geared properties, because that's what you wanna be doing, at least neutrally geared so they cover their own costs, you can buy an unlimited amount of properties ultimately, uh, and it doesn't deduct from your serviceability each property that you buy, providing that it's in another entity. And you should be doing that anyway to limit your liability between properties so that there's no overlap with any loans, so you don't want to cross-collateralize any loans at all. So each loan should be a standalone. And the other consideration is that when they're in separate entities, you have different bank accounts for each property so that you account for expenses 
in each property. It just makes accounting easy. There's not a huge amount of expenses that you're gonna be running through a property. There's not you know, hundreds of transactions per month. But you just wanna keep those separate. It just makes everything nice and easy. And then ultimately you can buy more than you know two or three properties, which is where most people get stuck at, is that two or three properties, if they even get that far at all. Just one other hack that I wanna say as well, is what you don't wanna be doing is maxing your serviceability, like going to the absolute maximum on one property. Because if you do, it could be the difference between buying one or two properties. So, you know, you wanna be at a point where you're maxing your serviceability over, say, two properties, but they're in separate entities, separate ventures, and then that way that the bank reassesses the new one as a standalone, a fresh, clean shell and doesn't consider the other ones. The other consideration is where you're living or where you want to live, have a look at the rental returns on those properties and are you better to rent vest? So in other words, rent the property that you want to be living in if the area you're living in, if it, ha if it returns low yield. So as an example, if you want to live in an area and to buy a property in that area might be a million dollars but the rental return might only be two or three percent. At the moment, it's not worth buying a property that's only returning two or three percent in terms of rental return. In my view, you're better off renting it. And if you can, own a business, and that business can be your property business, own that property business, and that property business pays a portion of the rent, which means that a portion of that rent is actually tax deductible. When you own your own home, your mortgage repayments aren't tax deductible if you're owning it in your own name. I won't go into the complexities around owning your own home and having a business pay for a portion of the rent, basically a portion of the rental repayments, no, sorry, the mortgage repayments. Uh, but you need to consider rent vesting if you're living in an area where the return is not as high as investing somewhere else where you can get, say, a 5% return and the mortgage, the rent pays for the mortgage.